This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And it's time for Wednesdays with Wexel. Let's bring in Jim Wexel, Steel City, author of the wonderful book about Troy Polamalu, if you want to get for a gift or anything like that. And good morning, Wex. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Wolf. I'm uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you coming on, as you have all season long, and we appreciate you so very much um, being able to come on today. I got to ask you something, because one of the questions that that really kind of jumped out from uh, Mike Tomlin was, in fact, uh, something I'm interested. What what you've got a perspective on the fans? You have message boards as part of Steel City Insider and everything p- people post on there. What are they in favor of going with a vet? <laughs> going with execution? The... <laughs> okay, it's already getting like John McVeigh, right? Right back yeah. in Tampa Bay. What do you think of your team's execution? I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So. Let me just pose a question, though. Do you, are fans more interested in getting an established veteran or going through the draft? <laughs> Man, well, there's, a, there's a third choice, and it's to um, admit that you're not a quarterback away and draft uh, Hall of Famers, which is my position. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> What are they more interested in? I don't know. Uh, half, of, half of the ones that want to draft one don't believe Pickett will be available and therefore really don't want much of the, of the leftover. Um, the others realize that it's foolish to go after Aaron Rodgers. How many draft picks would that cost? Oh, yeah. And, you know, this team's just – how much better is a 38-year-old quarterback going to be? I, I know. I think Aaron's better than Ben and, and still dynamic, but – is this team really one quarterback away? Uh, so I don't know. Uh, my answer is to um, I, I don't have the, I don't have the gauge to you know what they're interested in. I think I see a lot of is Mariota, and um, there's some Derek Carr, but they realize he's going to be too expensive. Mariota, and there's another guy that's probably going to come cheaper. I don't think it's uh, uh, Jameis Winston. Well, I can't think of the other guy, but Mariota is an example. Russell of a Wilson. Guy who's, Russell oh, Wilson. No, Kirk uh, Cousins. Trubisky. Oh, tr- oh Mitch Trubisky. Oh. Yeah. Well, Russ Wilson's in the in the category with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Right. right. How much is that going to cost? You know, how yeah. many three, four draft picks is that going to cost? Deshaun so, Watson. Uh, no. No, he's not. Nah, not, not too. I'm not seeing not too much of that. I'm not seeing too. Yeah. It's Trubisky and uh, um, Mariota. Those are the two I see most often. They're they're pretty much kind of uh, scrap heap guys that are stuff and and really have their excuses for why they haven't performed where they've been. Trubisky apparently played well his first year, and uh, I, I'm not sure of the entire Trubisky. Uh, there, there seems to be some people that favor that, and uh, like I said, Mariota. That, that goes in with the uh, uh, mobile quarterback that Tomlin seems to be lusting after, too. So the, both of those guys are, are mobile. So, Yeah, they, they are mobile. They're just not accurate. Um, you know, if I was looking for a ro- running back, I want mobile. Um, quarterback, I need accuracy as well, and that's something they have not been. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, the, uh, that yeah. guy is uh, the Malik Willis 
from Liberty. Oh, he's mm-hmm. he's only completing forty percent or whatever it is. But you know that that'll improve. Really, really. <laughs> when does that ever happen? Uh, you well, know, Josh uh, Allen. Uh, that's, that's what Josh I say. Allen. Josh Allen. The one, the only one, because he was a fifty percent <laughs> as fifty percent could be. And I was like, I, how I, is this guy drafted so high? So you know, Kiesel's buddies used to uh, text me about him, and they loved him. And I said, uh, he, he has no accuracy. Nobody. They said the receivers here are so bad, Wex. And and I looked, and I think they were pretty right. Uh, but so there was kind of an excuse for his statistics. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah. I, I said in, in this morning's column, you know, you want to draft a, a, a running quarterback that can't throw. Why don't you just stick to your inside linebackers that can't tackle? Go go draft another couple of those. <laughs> no instinct, you know. Ooh, punching, punching. Well, I but mean, no. but what what yeah. what the heck? I, I got you, yeah. but let's stick Absolutely. to the quarterback because I'll go ahead, Max. It was your turn. I, yeah, I, yeah, no. We're we're like looking at each other. We keep jumping on each other, you know, because this yeah. Zoom thing it gets a little bit crazy. It is. It is. We we didn't use the hand. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but, silent uh, count here. Yeah, silent count. All right, look for the head, Bob. No, but uh, but Wex. I mean, when when you look at this year, and yes, we know quarterback is obviously going to be at the forefront of of free agency a la draft if you don't get them in free agency. Um, you know, my, I'm I'm of the ilk that you draft, you know, interior defensive line, which I think, Wolf, you're the same. You feel the same way, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, just because we, we've now seen how important it is. And a lot of people in this draft are offensive heavy. Um, so you might have an opportunity for some of those breakout middle interior guys um, you know, what are your thoughts about how the Steelers should view their draft versus their free agency priorities? Oh, I, uh, I, I'm pretty adamant about this draft, drafting Hall of Famers. And I, I think uh, you're, you're kind of saying the same thing. Uh, I know that's a position of need. And I, I don't want to get locked into a position. But, geez, oh, man, the run defense is so horrible. Yes, they, if there's a tie, yes, the defensive tackles and inside linebackers are must. Um, but I, I, I'm looking for, regardless of position, I don't think this team's one, two, three players away. I, I think they really – what they really need is a um, when the biggest man on your team is the hardest worker and probably pretty smart too. That's another attribute. When the smartest, biggest guy on a team is your hardest worker, that's when things start falling into place. And I don't know how much longer Cam Hayward's going to be, but you're going to need another one. And on the offensive side, you you're, you lost to Castro and Pouncey and haven't replaced them with the biggest guys on the team work the hardest and are the smartest. So I, I'm I'm not saying Simon, but talking to you two guys, I'm going to say yeah, it's usually the smartest, <laughs> best looking, and now nah, you're cooking with gas, there, buddy. Now nah, you're cooking with gas. You finally <laughs> came around to our way of thinking. <laughs> Who needs Stuart Smalley when you can have Jim Wexel? You yeah. know, I mean, that is a pick me up right there. There you go. <laughs> Now I I do have to ask you because you you're my draft guru. Okay, what do you think of Pickett? 
I've not seen anything of Kenny Pickett. I was just so overwhelmed by just, you know, doing <laughs> my, my two brain cells, which are working at any given point, one of them at least, you know, can only handle so much information overload. So tell me what your thoughts are at, at, as of this point on Kenny Pickett. You know, I tried not to like him. I kept telling everybody he's just a bottom of the second rounder, and every time I watch him, he would go up, and now I'm like, you can't pass on this guy. Really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's so accurate. He was just this year, he was so accurate. And I, I get a little nervous about one-year wonders, but, man, uh, you know, the people that work with him, uh, they just love him. Uh, there's a story about a guy, uh, uh, Put it was on Twitter, about uh, I sat in the back with this guy in the class, and we just said hey to each other every class. And by the end of the year, he got, we got he asked me what I was going to do for my living. And I asked him, and he said, oh, I'm going to probably go in the NFL draft. Oh, do you play for Pitt? And he goes, yeah. And I says, uh, what position? He goes, quarterback. So he sat next to Kenny Pickett all year and didn't know. <laughs> and I, I love that story. Uh, it's about humility. And uh, he's just so uncanny. The, the one drawback, that the only thing I'm left with you about is the rumors about his hands small. Now, we heard this about Marino. And Marinos were bigger than, and now I guess the nine inches is the cutoff. Uh, uh, Kenny Pickett's are supposedly like eight and a half inches. And if he, he just watch him in the combine, if he can grip the NFL ball fine, it, you know, I have no problem with that statistic or the analytics. Just watch him. Just let's look at him in the combine throwing NFL ball first. They seem to be yeah. more slippery than the college ball. Well, and, and I think the other thing is, is like, you know, you, you can't measure the, and you know, I, the one thing, cause I called that Pitt Tennessee game. Uh, so I got to put eyes mm -hmm. on him live and the dude is just, he, he, he has that will to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that, mm -hmm. that X factor that we try and figure out about guys. Like he just won't be denied. He's just, he's, he, he's a tough dude. Um, and, and that's the other thing I love about him. Outside of his accuracy, it's just he's tough and he's will, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a guy that okay, yes, um, I know I know I need to hit this seven yard curl, but guess what? They're playing brackets on him. I'm going to get those five yards myself. You know, type of mentality, and he'll go rush it and get the five yards. He's not a running quarterback. He's mobile enough, and, and that's the other thing that I really like about Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, I think one of the things that scares me about it is the fact that Matt Corral got injured, who would have been in the, who would have been a high draft pick, mm -hmm. and could have possibly have been the guy that they would have picked instead of Kenny Pickett um, to let him fall to us. But now I'm not so sure because of the Matt Corral injury in the bowl game. The you know that somebody that would have gotten to Matt Corral is now going to say I want Kenny Pickett instead, um, and we might not have the opportunity to even get him in the first place. Yet uh, that doesn't look like it's going to be possible. But what are the Steelers picking twentieth? I think so. Yeah, that's what I yeah I recall reading. Yeah, so yeah, boy, I, I don't man, it doesn't look good for that. Malik so Willis the others, is there. I, He's there at twenty. <laughs> no, have you seen him, Max? I I, haven't, I really haven't seen yeah. him. I hear he's a wonderful athlete. However, oh, tremendous athlete. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it leaves less to be desired. Um, about it you know I mean Desmond Ritter would obviously be a natural choice for a lot of teams um, got to watch it got to watch him play um, this season but yeah no I mean Malik Willis I mean I, I get it the athlete the intangibles you know it, it's the mini Lamar Jackson poor man Lamar Jackson version 
but no. <laughs> um, but he's but he's not, he's he's not nearly, you know. I think fantastic enough for me to even give him a look. Right, right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Sam Howell from North Carolina because Kevin Colbert has seen him so many times. And he came into the year as the uh, top-rated quarterback by a lot of people and kind of had a disappointing year. And I know Kevin doesn't let one year sway him because he, he has seen so much of him throughout his career. Uh, if, you know, if, if, he's the, if Kevin Colbert's doing his usual Kevin Colbert thing, he, mm-hmm. just, he looks at an entire career and, and has often been helped by people who've had bad, not bad, but disappointing final seasons. So uh, Kenny Howell is a guy I would keep on, just knowing Kevin Colbert. When, when last we were talking, you were writing and studying for a book. You got another book coming, you're researching and everything. So what's the book and when's it out? It's going to come out in September. It's called On the Clock, The History of the Steelers Draft. And uh, I'm in 1969, still stuck there. <laughs> it's a very important year. Very, very important. Time machine. Yeah. Time machine. See? Wex, we were talking about that in the first segment, you know, being able to be a looper or a jumper, you know, jumping in and out, uh, you know, having that superpower. And wouldn't you love to have it now? You could jump back to 1969 and see Chuck Knoll actually get signed. Wouldn't that be something? I do have the superpower. I tell you, it's an escape. You know, I I think I've graduated (laughs) to a new level of writing with the Polamalu book where – you know how you read a book to escape, right? Man, if you're writing one, you're 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 surrounded by characters yourself. I'm, the, you know, it's 1969. We got uh, Dan Rooney became the de facto general manager in '65, and they gave his little brother Artie Jr. the scouting department because he wanted it. He went to his mom and said, "You know, tell Dad I want something too." And uh, he goes, "I'm tired of ticket sales. Nobody cares about Forbes Field tickets." And mom said, uh, uh, honey, uh, uh, Artie wants something else besides ticket sales. So they said, hey, Buddy Parker's traded away the next 45 picks. Let's put him ahead of scouting. <laughs> he, he can't hurt us there. That's true. Art Sr. used to joke about that, that he gave Artie the scouting department because Parker had already laid waste, and what damage could the kid do? So so you had you had Artie, he, he was, and he got really determined. And that's why I'm, I'm – kind of hold out hope for Dan Rooney Jr. can take the general manager job as his older brother hires him. It's been done before. So Artie got really uh, uh, jacked up about fixing this. He did. He got Blesto involved and Jack Butler was involved and kept bugging his dad for more scouts. His dad said, you don't have, we don't have any draft picks. What do we need more scouts for? <laughs> and then he, yeah. he drafts a bad guy in 66 and a bad guy in 67. Uh, his brother tells him, "Hey, I want you to meet with this guy, Bill Nunn. We're hiring him." And Artie says, "What do you? What? Do you, I'm in charge of hiring. I don't want this guy. Who is he?" <laughs> wow! And so they meet. And, yeah, and all Artie wants is a coach. At least he wants the coaches to stay out of it. But Dad kept saying, "Buddy Parker, Bill Austin, they're involved. They're they're the coaches. They draft. You just love them." And so, uh, uh, but they Artie thought they were racist, and. Uh, uh, the dad wouldn't help, even though the Roonies were never racist. They thought they had a couple coaches that weren't helping, and Bill Nunn had no respect for the Steelers organization, even though he worked in Pittsburgh. Hmm. He didn't like Parker. He didn't like Austin. He did some investigating. He thought they were racist, too. And uh, he was a Cleveland Browns fan because Paul Brown signed Marion Motley and, and Willis, uh, two black guys in the 50s. So Bill Nunn and his buddies used to drive up to Cleveland to go watch them play. 
Wow. So they they hire they hire Bill Nunn in 69, 68 as a part time, sixty nine full time. Uh, they hire Chuck Knoll. They draft. So all those forces came together in sixty nine. All these foundational pieces. They even got uh, a left tackle, John Cole, and they got a pass rusher, Elsie Greenwood. So those are pretty key positions. And so it all came together at the same time. And that's the cast of characters I'm surrounding myself with. Wow. And uh, so uh, I, it's a long chapter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand, no, but it sounds yeah. like great. Oh, my awesome. So it all comes together. And that's why I was reading the, the color of Sundays. That's why I know all this about Bill Nunn, Max. We had talked about uh, that book yeah. earlier. Uh-huh. And so uh, it's really all fascinating. And, you know, uh, Artie, Artie barged into the hole uh, uh, really? with Dan and the chief. He barged in because he wanted to know, first of all, is this coach going to uh, like black players? Because I'm a little sick of drafting these white stiffs that we draft every year. And so uh, he barged in to ask Noel about that. And, you know, uh, Chief and, and uh, Dan, they looked at each other like, let him go. <laughs> So Artie sets down, asks him about that, and then asks him, you know, are you going to, and your, your assistant coach is going to be in our way all the time? Is that what your plan is? And Chuck's like, hey, I don't know what, what's in your bonnet, Art, but there's a guy named Joe Green that I've coached, I've scouted personally a couple times with Baltimore, and I kind of want him. And this was music to Art Jr. So, okay, all right, okay. Wow. He didn't want another guy that wanted Terry Haynes because he was a local Yinzer <laughs> and went to Notre Dame. And so it all came together, and uh, uh, the, the two elder Roonies uh, pushed Artie out the door. Okay, you got your answers. Now leave us alone. We're going to hire this guy. <laughs> that is fantastic. A, that's that a great awesome. story. That is awesome. And it's a good story. It's a good story for right now because I think they're at that crossroads myself where foundational pieces are needed, you could, especially if you're going to replace Kevin Kirk. You really got to get the right people come together and do this again. Absolutely. In a way, it's been done once. So, and they drafted a defensive tackle, right? Yep. Here you go. It could hey. happen again. Deja vu all over again, to quote the great Yogi Berra. Wex, we got to roll, brother, but I want to thank you so much. That was so enlightening. We got we to talk some more about this. It's very interesting. Yes, we do. That is awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Cool. Okay. All right. All right, thank you, Jim Wexel from Steel City Insider. And I, that book is going to be great, Max. I'm looking forward no, to it. No, I, I can't wait for it either. And, and I love – you know, the deep dive that Jim takes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not That's huge. a surface layer. It's not feel good and kind of kind of make it fluff. No, he gets into the meat of it. I mean, that that's the one thing I love. When you, and that's truly, you know, <clears throat> where that journalist mind comes into play. Like, I'm going to get to the root of this. I'm going to find out. And he, and he immerses himself in the story. And he's not going to leave any meat on the bone, brother. <laughs> No, he is not, and I mean, and it's right there. I mean, you you would think that he that he is that he's actually in 1969, calling us from the past, <laughs> back I to mean, the that future. Was, that was tremendous. Yes, exactly. All right, I'm done. All right, Wolf Starks <laughs> and the Ninjas in the locker room will be back after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. So it appears Matt Canada is coming back as the offensive coordinator, but on the other hand, the flip side, his counterpart, defensive coordinator Keith Butler, 
Sounds like he may, may retire after seven seasons as a defensive coordinator. And Butsy is 65. And, uh, you know, um, it sounds – Chuck Knoll used to say, if you're thinking about retiring, you already have. And it sounds like uh, Keith have had some uh, discussions already about it. But uh, you've got T.A. there, Terrell Austin. Uh, this is a guy that th- there's a lot of people that speak highly in favor of this. He was a defensive coordinator for Detroit for five seasons. And uh, as as recently as 014 when he was there, uh, he had the number two defense in the NFL. So, I mean, it's not like this guy is not capable. He is fully capable, it sounds like to me. Yeah, no, I think uh, Coach Austin uh, does a great job. And I think, you know, <clears throat> when you're talking about how that game plan went when Butts was out in Baltimore, uh, you have to think that T.A. Had, had a lot of opportunities to audition in that moment. Right. Um, and I'm sure Mike T. felt comfortable with what he saw from T.A. Um, that if you're going – and, you know, and this is how the Steelers operate, right? You know, when, when they're usually picking coordinators, it's usually an internal hire. It's not right. going too far external, not too many times. Um, you know, because you think about it outside of what Todd Haley, uh, right. you know, you ha- everybody else has, has been an elevation to roll. Um, you know, and, and of course, when you brought Dick LeBeau over um, initially, you know, but everything from there um, that you get the opportunity. So th- th- this would make perfect sense in the Steelers kind of lineage of leadership, if I like to call it. Just don't call it LOL. <laughs> Okay, we won't we won't do that. Okay, but I did. Yes, I, yes. I appreciate Minka Fitzpatrick spoke up highly in favor of of Terrell, and he, one of the two things he cited was his attention to detail, which is huge, because you yes. know there people people generally think that uh, all defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, that they're and in general most of them are. But there's guys that are not all that detailed, and you and I yeah. both know we've we've experienced it. Whether it's uh, all, not just in coordinators, but in coaches, you know, and so attention to detail is huge, and the fact that he he says that he, he gives players a chance to voice their concerns or their thoughts over certain aspects of the defense, and I think it as well in this day and age. I mean, Chuck Noll also used to have a saying back in my day: um, "This is not a democracy. You don't get a vote." <laughs> Um, yeah, but at the same time, because things are different now. But you know, certainly, I would think that uh, you know, having being able to voice what's going on in your gourd to your coaches is, is something important. Well, and, and not only that, it's also the ability to disseminate information in game, right? right? Things you're seeing. Hey, coach, listen, I know you called this, but the way that they're playing it, I think we should do this. Tell me what you think about it, but this is how I feel. You know, we, we need something a little different. Those are all the information-gathering things. And if you're a good, if you're a great communicator uh, from on the field to the sideline, because that's the thing, you have to have that photographic memory to be able to go to the sideline. Hey, coach, let's go to this play. Right. Boom, boom, boom. What do we do here? You have questions as well, right? Because the coaches can only put you in positions to be successful, but they can only put you in positions based off the information that you give them. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you feel like there's a free flow of communication, that makes things better. Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, I go to the sideline, hey, Russ, you know, we're seeing this. You know, I know I know we're running this play, but I think, you know, right. maybe we should try this. All right, let me let me run it up the line. You know, those are the type of things you want to have. Coog, same way. 
you know, um, <clears throat> you know, and I think that that really also helps with your offensive line, right? Build, um, you know, well, I should not say your position group. If you have a very vocal coach that also takes your vantage point and your viewpoint into heart, they understand your responsibility, right? And especially a guy like Minka, right? You you see the whole field being exactly. back in safety position. So you're going to see it differently. And when things unsnap, yeah, you could see it from an overhead view, a still shot angle, and now it's probably, you know, plays through the whole play. But it's one thing to be at field eye level, to understand what my is when I'm looking at that versus my responsibility. So I think it's a great thing to have that open communication. And once again, like you said, Terrell Austin has a resume as well. So it's not like you're like, oh, I'm giving a guy a shot. Yeah, no, We don't no, know if it. he can do it. No, he's earned the opportunity to get this opportunity now to retire. Um, you know, this is something, and you talk about you feel confident about the guys in the room that you can elevate a guy. Just like Dick LeBeau, when he retired, they felt comfortable to elevate Keith Butler to that same position. No question about it. And I, I, I'm very intrigued by it because I thought the uh... – Terrell, everything I've heard about him has just been really, really uh, super stuff. You know, guys speak very highly. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I would think he's got a pretty good shot at it because, as you said, you went on going, you know, about the number of people that are hired from within. Because I always think that, yeah, there's times, there's moments when you look outside for fresh ideas. But if you have a pretty good grasp of defensively – what you're capable of. Think about it. I mean, the Steelers were, what, third in run defense just a year ago? I mean, now they're, you know, they're at the bottom of the league here, but now, but it was just a year ago that it's not like they don't know how to coach uh, defense or run defense, however you want to, you know, look at it. They obviously can. They're very capable of doing it, but there's a lot of factors that are interwoven into it, and much of the much of the problem is the fact that if you can't score a touchdown in seven of the first uh, of the of the last games in the first half, you're putting tremendous pressure on your defense, and you create situations for them. There, if the offense is not carrying its share of the burden, you can't expect the defense to carry you all season long, unless you're the '77 Steelers when you kind of shot out. I think it was like five teams they shot out. I mean, that, that's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's unheard of. I mean, yeah. you know, to shut teams out to that to that degree. So, and not just one. You know, I, yeah, one is already unbelievable. Yeah. Five is a miracle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, you, you, you want to have somebody that's there. And I feel, and I, you know, and I think the other thing is if the players give the endorsement, who are we to judge differently, right? Oh, yeah. Because the players know who, who they can trust, who they want to follow. You know, into each game, and he's obviously given that vote of confidence, and guys trust that what he's been doing and his deeds ha- have warranted that. So I think I think it's important to listen to what the players have to say as well. Well, there's no question in my mind that I think uh, Terrell Austin really presents a great opportunity to hire from within to have a guy that has already solidified his relationship with the secondary, with the defensive players. They're already there's a great trust factor there. Mike's already got to have a great amount of trust factor in Terrell just because of the relationship that they, you know, they have thus far. So in my mind, that's, uh, you know, those are a lot of good reasons that are pointing his way. And and certainly you got to feel that um, this is an opportunity that, uh, I don't know, it's kind of exciting. You know, when you see somebody new have an opportunity to bring some fresh ideas, it'll, it'll be, it could be interesting. 
Well, and I think the other thing is the relationship of knowing what Terrell Austin knows and knowing how to identify that since Mike was a previous defensive backs coordinator. And coordinator. Right? Yep. There's a familiarity in position. So he knows how the lingo needs to go. He knows how the conversation and game plan needs to be crafted, how to how to acquit yourself, right, in meetings. Um, he can notice all of those nuances because he's been that guy too. True. So I, I think that also gives a, a special insight to understanding why you're picking this guy if his values mirror yours. No question about it. Very good, my friend. All right, it's that's a wrap on uh, this segment. We're going to be back with another. And you're in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, well, moving back here to the locker room. And uh, Mike T said in the Tuesday press conference, he's proceeding as if Ben is retired. Uh, And, of course, that means uh, Mason Rudolph is one of the uh, contenders we got Mason Rudolph. We have Dwayne Haskins. Um, Mike referred to them as, I would not uh, call them uh, day-to-day starters as of yet. I will give them an opportunity to write their own story, as he puts it, um, to compete for the job and do what they need to do. But, you know, the one thing I'll say about Mason is you think about it, he's, over, over, he's had 10 starts over four seasons. He's 5-4-1. and one. He was His only start in 2021 this year was the 16-16 tie in Detroit, which was a mind-boggling, if you remember, he completed 30 out of 50 for 242 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, showing that he can throw, he's got the arm and all that. But, wow, what a way to come in and, and have your only start throwing 50 passes. That that was just – I remember we were begoggled with that one. It was so unnecessary, Wolf. Yes. It was absolutely – I can't say the word. I can't say the word. Asinine. There we go. I'll say that word. It's gentle. That? It's more gentle. Yeah, it is. It's genteel. Genteel. It, it, it's genteel. Oh, I like that. It, 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 it's a little Charmin, sabo there. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you got to throw in a little bit of the French stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, when you, when it's French, it's classy. Um, yes. But I, but I think I think that's that's kind of, you know, the crux of it, right? Was that, okay, Matt Canada, you had a shot to show us what this offense can do, um, given circumstances. It was horrible weather conditions. Yes. The ball 50 times. The fact that he actually completed 60% is what's mind-boggling. That is. Um, you know, of 50 passes when this game clearly said, run as fast as you can, can't stop me, I'm the gingerbread man, right? <laughs> that's that's essentially what – and we got the complete opposite. It was like, they're expecting that, so I'm going to do this. It's like Wolf giving directions, right? Hey, you should go right. You know what, I'm going to go left. I'm going left. You don't want to go right because right. yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. But the problem was is that it, it, we were actually looking at maps, so he should have turned right in that moment Correct instead the of moon, going though. left. You know, and and that, that that was the one. For, so that's where it leads to my 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 hesitation and my doubt of full endorsement of Matt Canada. You know, because I'm like, we had an opportunity to see a not been starting quarterback with this line. How are you going to game plan? And your game plan was more pass. Yeah, that was yeah, that was that one was of those um, head scratchers. 
You know, because yeah. you, you realize that uh, Denver at that time had the worst run defense, too. Um, no, that was Detroit. That was Detroit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, de- you said Denver. Oh, did I say Denver? Oh, man. You said Denver. Just one of those. Yes. Ab- Journal, journalistic integrity. Thank you. Thank they you. both start with D and yeah. follow up with an E, e. and then afterwards, it's it's it, all about details. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah. we're talking about Detroit. 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 <laughs> the the worst run defense at that time, and I remember both of us were screaming, "Going, are you kidding me? Why are you not running the ball? You got a guy who's been sitting on the bench, not doing anything all season long, except you know coming in on Wednesdays and throwing for Ben, and then you're going to put him up passes. Exactly, you're going <laughs> to give him fifty to get throw. I, you, wow, that just that was a head scratcher. Yeah, that 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 reminds me of. When I was released before the 2011 season, and I came back like week five, and it was against Jacksonville. Mm. This is my first week back, right? You know, and, and Jonathan Scott was, um, you know, he he was kind of injured, and so they they brought me back. And I just remember walking into the meeting room, and I was like, you know, I hadn't played football in 11 months because right. that was right after my neck injury. I got right. released, and and I never forget the meeting. Uh, Coach Kugler's going over, you know, the starting lineup. It's like, all right, right tackle. We got Marcus Gilbert, you know, uh, right guard. We got, you know, Ramon, center, Pouncey, left guard, Willie, and left tackle. Max, not much has changed. You're back at starter. All right, let's go get it done. I'm like, what? I, I was like, whoa, 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 I haven't, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, have, I, haven't, I haven't had a single practice in almost a year. What? Huh? He's like, oh, and if you get tired, tap your helmet. That's okay. We're good. Anyways, moving <laughs> along, we're on the uh, game plan for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so I'm like, what? And we get into the after the week. And right. Well, didn't they I put you on a pitch count? Didn't he say there's going to be a pitch count? I mean, he kind of alluded to it. Wolf, Wolf yeah. see my face? Yeah. Pitch no. count. <laughs> okay. You know what the pitch count consisted of? What's what the pitch that? count consisted of? That's it. Hey, Max, we're going to get you out for one series in the first half, you know, just to make sure you get your legs underneath you. Okay. First half, pass. No takey out. <laughs> and then we get to the second half, and and Coog's like, I'm going to get you a series. I'm going to get you a series. Don't worry, Max. I'm going to get you. All right. I feel good, but okay. I get – hey, I know. You don't want to wear me out the first game. Cool. We go – we get backed up. We get a first down, but then we end up punting. So, like, we, we, had, we had six plays, right? We run a fake punt with Ryan Mundy, mm. and Mundy returns it like to the twenty on the on the on the fake punt. I'm going to run out. No, 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 no! This is your series. <laughs> we score in two plays. Uh, we score in two plays. What do you mean? What do you mean, Cooks? What kind of series like, is that? What? I was like, this is like a continuing fake play. This is not a new series. They didn't punt it back to us. They didn't kick it off to it. How does this? No, stay. I'm like, oh gosh. And then we score in two plays, and I'm like, so that was it. <laughs> Yep. Like, yep, you're back in the game, Max. <laughs> There's your break. Did you enjoy it? I was like, ah. <laughs> you know, I so, had... yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, so 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 to hear Mason yep. through it, I'm like, I can I can appreciate what that what that situation feels like. Well, let me tell you about my reverse, completely reverse from your all right, my rookie year, we're playing the Houston Oilers. Mike Webster tore cartilage in his knee on Sunday before a Thursday game. Okay, Ooh. think about that. All right, yes, so short I, week. I, yeah, I, I'm Monday. I'm in the starting lineup. Tuesday, Wednesday. All right, now on Thursday we go and we go through warmups, and 
Webby is trying to go, and he's not able, you know, hardly get through warm-ups. So I know I'm going, right? I'm, I'm going to be left guard. Ray Penny moved to center. I'm moving for left guard for Ray Penny, you know, and moved in for Sam Davis in training camp because, you know, there was injuries. So um, it, we talk about the great Sam Davis. This guy, he, he was a legend. I love that guy. But anyhow, um, talking yeah. about that, we go in there, and uh, I'm all set. I'm ready to make my first start in the NFL. So we come out for how it is. If you get the warm ups, you come back out, and we're standing on the sidelines. And Raleigh Dodge, my line coach, says, <laughs> "Wolf, come here, come here. You sit. You're right here by me. If I, I better see you every single time I turn around. Okay, Mike is going to go out there. He's probably going to last maybe one series, but you know whatever. You stay right here. Well, I was right by his side for the first series and the second series. First quarter goes, halftime goes." Three quarters, I'm there. I'm ready to go, coach. You put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. Mike Webster somehow is playing, not only playing with his knee injury, but playing a great game. He's And I'm standing there, and finally, with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, okay, you're in. Oh, really? Really? I'm, I'm oh, standing that, around. That, thanks, coach. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I saw, I saw a complete opposite from what you were. I stood there next to Raleigh. Every time he turned around, he was bumping into me. And, and, and here, I get five minutes in the fourth quarter. Gee, thanks. Oh, man. Dude, that, 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 that's so wrong. That's so wrong. But, you know, but, I mean, but that, that's the way it happens, right? Right. I mean, got, some guys are just gamers. I mean, you know, Marvell. Um, you know, towards the end of his career, you know, Marvell would miss practice Marvell Wednesday, Smith, Thursday. Right? Yeah, Marvell Smith, and 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 Vell on Friday somehow figure out how to how to how to get through it, and he started on on Sundays. And you sit there, you're like, dude, really? really? I warmed up all this week. I went through all. I spent hours breaking down film in case something would happen, and then you play, and then, <laughs> but then he'll go. Like the Miami game, right? Come in the building on Sunday, and you know, walk in the locker room. You know, I'm looking. Everybody's got their pads and everything. Why isn't Belly's pads taped up? Right? Why isn't his, shoulder, why isn't his jersey on his shoulder? Something wrong here. And, and then you look to the right to the training room. He's sitting there, belly on there. Got a got a heating pack on his back. Oh yeah, you're going today. What? What? I didn't practice all week. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just it's not it's not feeling good. I'm like, you couldn't figure that out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You waited till Sunday. You couldn't even you put me on notice. Maybe you know. Yeah, just just say, hey, Max, you know, maybe you want to take some extra reps on your own. <laughs> maybe, maybe left tackle. Just get it. slides in right. Get get in the stance, wiggle it down, see how it yeah. feels. Because maybe just nothing, maybe nothing. I'm like, man, thanks, Belly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it's funny because you'll have these these circumstances that arise, and you know, you've got to yeah. be when you're a young guy, you've got to be prepared to play all the time. You know what I mean? Always. Uh, when I came in the league, it was we took uh, all the uh, reps for defensive team, uh, yeah. and then your own reps on offensive team, and you took half of the starters. You know what I mean? Reps on yeah. offensive team. That's how you let them rest. You just basically you had you had half of the offense and everything else. That's what you did. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and and it's funny because unless you go through those situations, you can't appreciate and laugh at them. You <laughs> now know? you can laugh. Or, yeah. or, or 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 even get in the mind state of what that stress feels like. Oh yeah. Right? There's very few things outside of sport that give you those type of moments. 
And so it, it's funny to look back on them and share with your buddies after the fact. But in the moment, you're just like, why me? Am I cursed, God? I mean, what did I do? I, I could have swore. I threw change when I walked past that person. Uh, with the cup hanging out. I thought I did that. I thought I let the old I helped the old lady across the street with her groceries. Like what did I do that offended everybody that I got cursed by the gods, you know, <laughs> to have to do this. But then afterwards you look back you're like, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. I, mean, I I I might have overreacted. <laughs> One time we're at Three Rivers, it was kind of that Indian summer, you know how it's hot, you know, after yeah. in September even. And it was brutally hot, and we were practicing, and somebody was hurt. I, I had I had no breaks, just the whole practice, from the first rep to the last rep. And I'm sucking Gatorade in between reps. And I'll never forget the great John Stallworth comes up to me. Stalls looks at me, and I'm melting down in the heat. You know, it's like uh, 85, high 80s, maybe 90-something on the carpet there. And he looks at me and goes, you don't look like you're having fun, Craig. <laughs> you know, that high-pitched voice of his, it was so funny. I go, no, my fun meter's done. I'm not having any yeah. fun. <laughs> no, the fun, the fun meter erases when you walk out because you know about the mountains, right? Where you look and you can't see the mountains. Yes. And it's, it's, that's one of those days, right, where you're like, oh, I can usually see three layers of mountains. Wait a second, there's no mountains anymore. No. What is going on? The like, weather report. end well. That's this your Joe DiNardo well. weather report. Yeah, exactly. And then they then they bring out that little that little stand with the hygrometer thing with the little mercury floating <laughs> right. back and forth. And you're looking at the guy studying it like like he's studying seismic activity. You're like, right. what's going on? It's going to be hot. <laughs> All of that to tell me. I, I could have told you that walking outside. Why, Just what, look what at the mountains. No, I, They're not there. I need, I need something more precise that it's going to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, Jeez. another great day, brother, in the locker room with you. Now, you won't be in tomorrow, right? I won't be in tomorrow, Friday. I'll be traveling uh, for my father's services. Yes. But I will be back next week. So God's blessings to you, my friend. And we will pick up next week. Much love to you and your family and uh, to all the other people. I'll be in the locker room here with the ninjas as Max um, takes care of family business. And we will be in spirit with you, my friend. So thank you so very much. Folks, you're in the locker room with uh, Wolf Starks and the Ninjas, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio.